0: Andy, I had a dream. Was it a dream it- of sweet illusion with hopes and unity? I had a dream. That- what- Not that one, okay. No, no, no.
1: I had a dream that you and I were doing shots of tequila. Yay! I like this dream already. And- In the background we heard... And I don't even know if this is a real thing. I know there's a thing it, called. It
2: wasn't real, Bill. I'll tell you now.
1: Called Fireball Fireball whiskey. Yes, yep. we love Fireball whiskey. No. I have a bottle of it in my freezer. <laughs> no, no, we were drinking cinnamon Fireball vodka. Never heard of it. Oh. That was what was in my dream.
3: Hmm. And, and now you
2: like, need to make that and make a billion dollars with it. But do they have cinnamon vodka? They probably do. But do they have Bill Robinson's cinnamon vodka? Dr. Bill's cinnamon fireball Copyright vodka. patent pending.
1: Dr. Bill's Mountain Dew vodka. Ooh. Medicine <laughs> for the soul. Mmm.
0: <laughs> and it substitutes as a page stripper. <laughs> I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert.
2: All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields. You Starfleet officers,
3: now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick.
2: Dex, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist.
3: The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts Quite a motley
0: crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast, a Two True Freaks presentation. We're here to talk you through the night with a little dose of smooth jazz. Oh. No, he's not in this episode, is he? Anyway, tonight's episode is all about The Reckoning, which is a sixth season episode. As ever, I am joined by my usual pal Wraiths. Didn't they fight Rob? Paul Spataro. Hello.
3: Dave Pascarella. No job is too big, no fee is too big.
0: And Dr. Bill Robinson as himself. I am a Bajoran Batman. And I'm Andrew Leyland, who just eggs along just because they told me and showed up. Yeah.
3: Because
0: uh, apparently it's episode. Because, well, But wait, because apparently there's bats on Bajor. Who would have thunk it? Well, maybe they're like Bajoran bats, so they're called Bajoran bats instead of just bats. So, like, instead of a hole in the nose, do they have a ridge on their nose and their face? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like Denebian slime devils and <clears throat> that kind of shit. Gotcha.
2: Mm.
0: Anyway, uh, before we get into the episode of choice, do we have any news again well the sound of silence though <laughs> well, i don't really think there is
1: any new news other than the uh today uh today or I, tomorrow i consider myself the luckiest man <laughs> i try not to go there as soon as i paused today 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 <clears throat> the 40th anniversary anniversary, anniversary star trek turns, the motion picture picture picture
0: Oh, yeah, and it's and it's just recently been the 53rd anniversary of Star Trek. I don't know if we celebrate 53, but whatever. 53 <laughs> is a pivotal year. Yes, it's a very good year for
3: Dom Perignon. Once you get up there, you celebrate every year as if it's your last. It's
2: like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. <laughs> oh.
3: Wake up
0: every day like every day's your last to be wrong every morning. Apart from that one time, you're not. Uh, they, they are an image from the animated thing that they're doing that I saw the other day. I'd be damned if I oh. can remember where it was, whatever that animated cartoon they're doing is. Uh,
2: Lower Decks? Lower Decks. Oh, Lower Decks.
0: Yeah, that. So, and um, there are rumours that Wolfs in Picard. I'll be honest with you, I'll be very surprised if the entire cast isn't in it somewhere of Next Generation. But the big news for me is that Big Finish are doing audio adaptations of Space 1999. That's nothing to do with Star Trek. Oh, who's um, who's still around? No, 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 it's an all new cast. It's a rebooting of the concept. Oh. Completely okay. new cast. So I mean, I would be Space $29.99, I assume.
2: No,
0: no, it's, it's still Space 19 because that's the copyright. But uh, they released the first 15 minutes on jerry anderson's podcast and the actual thing goes on sale or did go on sale yesterday which was september 13th 2019 which was 20 years after the cataclysmic events that saw the earth ripped out of the earth the moon ripped out of earth's orbit it was a sad day i kind of missed the moon oh, i miss the moon i miss tides
2: yeah they mm. wait for no man
0: they do not but uh, that's it now i've got nothing else unless you guys have got anything nothing to do Still the sound of silence, then? (laughs) Alright, The Reckoning! my old friend. You seem like right at home with darkness, Paul. Well, we are old friends. (laughs) The Reckoning Star Trek Deep Space Nine, episode number 21 from season 6. To save a people from Armageddon, this battle could destroy the station. The cost.
2: Take me instead!
0: Could be Cisco's own flesh and blood on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino. I think he's Jesus instead of Jesus because he has accents for his ease. Well, could be wrong. Story by Harry Worksman and Gabrielle G. Stanton. Teleplay by David Weddell and Bradley Robin, uh, Bradley Thompson. Sorry, not Bradley Cooper. He's been alias, didn't he? Uh, an archaeological dig on Beijing reveals an ancient tablet in an ancient Bejuran language that is ancient and addresses the ancient emissary. I like the word ancient on Wikipedia. Captain Sisko brings the tablet to Deep Space Nine for further study, raising the ire of Kai win who protests at not being consulted in advance and resents Sisko's connection with the Prophet. He is an outsider. That's a bit of a run-on sentence. Dax's analysis of the tablet reveals an upcoming event called the Reckoning of a different franchise possibly involving the destruction of the station and during which Bejo will experience great suffering suffering (laughs) meanwhile the wormhole begins to behave erratically causing disturbances on both the station and the planet Wynn attributes this to Sisko's possession of the tablet and forces him to agree to return it to the planet That night, however, Sisko becomes frustrated at the Prophets and feels compelled to smash the tablet, which releases red and blue vapors dissipating to the station. Kai Wen is furious, but Sisko states his belief that he's doing the Prophets' will. The station begins to experience mysterious power fluctuations, and the crew soon discover that Major Kira has become possessed by the Blue Mist, a Prophet which is exuding intensive power. The Prophet reveals that it is waiting for the PAR RAF to battle it in the reckoning. Most of the senior staff strongly recommend flooding the promenade with radiation, which would force that Well,
2: well, well, well
0: I think
1: you
2: said that word wrong again. <laughs> thank Thank you. You know you know what's funny is if if Jimmy Dewin were here, he'd be saying, Andy, you're oversaying it. You're overacting. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Dewan is telling me I'm overacted. Exactly. High <laughs> praises indeed.
0: Anyway, flooding the promenade with radiation that would force the being to leave Kira, but Sisko refuses to interfere with the prophets, and Odo states that he believes she is a willing participant. Sisko evacuates the station, but Kai Winn stays behind to witness the conflict, as Bajoran prophecies indicate that the prophets' victory in the battle will result in a golden age for Bajor. The Power Wraiths then appear, having taken over the body of Jake Sisko, and the two begin to face off on the promenade, creating a dun, 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 dangerous energy
2: build. Sisko orders dun, dun, dun. the
0: last of the crew to evacuate, keep doing the background music, but refuses to leave his son behind, believing bl- 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 rag- fr- the prophets will not allow him. <wo-uns- homes>. <laughs> with the prophets appearing to have the advantage, but both adversaries showing wounds from the struggle, Wynn executes the command to flood the promenade with radiation, interrupting the conflict and forcing both beings to leave. After her recovery, Kira. Accuses Wayne of intervening out of jealousy over Cisco's greater faith and warns her she will have to answer for the consequences of her actions. Profit combat.
1: Fight! <laughs> Finish him.
0: You are a pitiful fighter. Free fatality. Anyway. So. Oh, we can't interrupt now. He's done. I I'm don't. done. I'm finished. Uh, I just carry on and ignore you. Um... Uh, see, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one. On the one hand, there's a lot of good acting in it. And some of it's interesting. And Kai Winn is, is lovely, as always. Kai Winn is Kai Winn. Yeah, Kai Winn is Kai Winn. On it's the nice. other hand, I do not buy Benjamin Sisko being willing to sacrifice his son. I just did not buy that.
2: Oh. And as such, the episode fell off a cliff for me. I'm I'm going to say you're not wrong there. But I think it's... it's it's you know it is somewhat out of character but i think on the one hand they're saying he believes the prophets will protect his son's body and that it's just a vessel for this fight that they're not gonna allow him to have physical damage when it's all done which is kind of a kind of wrong but it's uh, you know the fact that he has faith um i think the whole thing is a little cartoony in the way it's done uh you know when the, the scene when when uh, jake walks in you know with Possessed by the Parraith just seemed incredibly predictable and very melodramatic in, w- in the way that they presented it, and yet I loved it. I was going to say, I like that scene. Where are you going with this? <laughs> well, I'm going to say, I, I really did okay. enjoy that, but I can't sit here and say, oh, it was subtle <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Oh, well, um, no. So, you know, it, I, I get some of the criticism of the episode, and I do understand what you're saying, Andy, about that, that he wouldn't do. That, But, uh, I, you know, they're trying to put a direct comparison, I think, of the level of faith that Ben has as compared to the level of faith that Kai Wynn has. And she, her faith wavers. And it's interesting to kind of pr- to go into her motivations. And I think after we get over our initial just discussion of it, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Because I think, uh, you know, exactly what motivates her to do what she does is kind of fascinating in its own way and that's one of the things that elevated this episode in my mind so just to you know that's my long-winded way of saying i I really enjoyed this episode even though i do see flaws with it Mm. that's fair enough and like i
0: say it's not a bad episode by any means and that that bit at the end i just didn't disco being willing to do that at all and and there's loads of lovely touches in it. I love the conversation at the beginning with Odo and Kira, where Odo still pretend the grumpy bastard because that's what people expect of him. I love that quick edit between Kai Win being all, Well, I, that's lovely, and I hope everything goes all right for you. To Cisco going, and then she grassed me up to Federation. <laughs> that, <laughs> I thought that was, that was brilliantly funny.
1: There's there's like a silent that bitch.
3: <laughs> I can't believe she did that. Well, oh, come on. We're talking Kai Wynn here. When she said, did the prophets tell you that? I kept hearing that line from the the old movie, Oh God. <laughs> yes, and they also told me they'd like you to shut up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what this episode has going for you. If you <clears throat> took Kai Wynn out of it, then it's just too much of a, a you know a cartoon. But I think Kai Wynn elevates this episode a lot.
3: Well, I also thought uh, Kira as... Uh, the keymaster and Jake is the gatekeeper. I <laughs> thought that was great, and I kept waiting for someone to tell Cisco if, if they ask if you're a god, you say yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. There was a lot of Ghostbusters references, and with the whole wasn't uh from the Bible, isn't Abraham the one that uh yes. is going to uh, sacrifice his son? I thought you know I thought oh
2: we're getting we're hinting a little bit here at the Bible well. well. I, you know I, I'm trying to acclimate that whole thing because if somehow the prophets contacted him and said you need to allow this and and put your son in at risk then it would be there would be a much greater comparison to abraham i'm trying Hmm. to think because it's there's definitely supposed to be some sort of allegory here and i'm trying to think of exactly where they're trying to lead us on it and there's there's a little bit of that there's a little bit of you know god sacrificing his only son right uh I'm not sure exactly where they, they're looking to go on that particular issue because, you know, they don't they don't do anything overtly. And sometimes we complain when they do it, when they do do things too overtly in, instead of just letting us kind of figure it out ourselves. In this one, I'm not sure exactly where he got the confidence that the prophets were going to protect Jake. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's. It's it, it also faith. seemed. It also seemed kind of. <laughs> we, well, no, I, I I get the faith part of it. I'm just wondering where he, you know, what led him to believe this was well, their will.
3: I, I um. Well, I kind of felt when they questioned him, you know, do you not have faith, you know? And then all of a sudden, yes, yes, I have faith. And he busted out
2: into George Michael. We have got to have faith, faith, yeah. faith. It it also seemed just a little strange when he smashed the uh, artifact. Like, like, you know, how, how did that exactly get into his head that, that that's what he needed to do? And he, he kind of answered that saying that, uh, you know, he, he just felt this overwhelming urge and then he felt that that's what the prophets wanted him to do. So that, I think that goes to faith as well, you know, that that he felt the urge was put there by the prophets, effectively.
3: So, I was waiting for him to say, you're not going to believe this. It just fell up on its own. It must have been the prophets. <laughs>
0: And the, the, I love Dax's line as well about uh, well, uh, I think it looks like a stone tablet with writing on it. Yeah, there's some genuinely funny moments in this episode. And I do like that they like you said, the the prophets are actually taking some kind of concrete action and being seen to be doing something. And Avery Brooks and Louise Fletcher are brilliant together for the most part. I don't know, I just didn't I just found that ending didn't work for me at all. I kind have undermined how I felt about the entire show, which is a shame. Well, you didn't like the one
1: where Kira gets a good dig on uh, Kai Wen and actually shuts her up and... <sighs> she's actually like, <clears throat> she has no witty retort and with a
0: child at the end of it she just <laughs> walks off the station yeah well Kid Kai when, she's actually a figure of sympathy through most of the episode because if you think about it she's not wrong for wanting to save people's lives and she's it's not true. wrong for wanting to bring about a new and golden age and the moment when she actually confesses to Sisko I wouldn't know the prophets have never spoken through me is actually quite heartbreaking and yeah. it's one of the reasons why she is such a good villain, in the sense that she's not
2: really a villain. Oh, she's absolutely a villain. We're going to debate this.
0: Uh, oh, see, I, I, she's I not think a villain
2: yeah. her, She's, she's no, just, she's,
0: yeah, that's it. She's, she's not she's, there yet.
1: She's a bureaucrat right now. I mean, no, well, no, she's, she's, she's clearly bureaucrat.
2: willing to manipulate things for her own power and glory. That makes her yep. a villain. That's just a politician. That wasn't necessarily yeah, making. Well, doing. you know what? There have been a lot of villainous politicians yeah. in our lifetimes. There's a <laughs> lot of them now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just just saying that she's a politician doesn't somehow absolve her from villainy. Uh, in fact, you know, if anything, it makes her more suspect. It she, does she's make clearly her more suspect. not only you know her goal is a golden age for Beijor, but it's a golden age for Bajor that she needs to be the one. That causes. She's not willing to step aside and and say, "Let me let Sisko have the glory," because clearly he's been chosen by the prophets. She's unwilling to do that because it doesn't create her glory. So that's you know like I said I wanted to talk a little bit about her motivations in. Flooding the chamber I don't think there's any point where she thinks, oh I'm going to save people's lives by doing this if anything she's trying to save her own life by doing it I think but
1: no because she could have got on the thing and left this and left yeah I, I le-
2: know. left the station I know. But, but but I think she, I think she, you know, her faith wavers and she can't allow Cisco to have sacrificed himself or his son because then he takes the glory. She can't allow that. She has to be the one. I really believe that that's her motivation. I I, I don't think she's benevolent in any way in doing that. I think she's upset that Cisco has such faith and that she doesn't.
1: Plus, to argue on on your side, actually, if she does, if the station is destroyed, then that'll hurt Bajor. Its prominence, you know, it won't be as big of a... uh, um, it won't have as big as a stage on the galaxy and might shrink back into being, you know, well, nobody's going to really care about the think her, here. her
2: motivations have been suspect throughout that she's either looking for power or glory all the time. She she uses Bajor as her goal. Stepping stone. Or, or as a stepping stone. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's the excuse for her to do what she does. And I think, you know, as season seven goes on, we will see more and more of that, uh, that, you know, she's willing to do whatever she has to just so that she could be the savior somehow in her mind. Because just like Kira says, she Sisko's an outsider,
1: an infidel, and he's the emissary, and she's not. She's yeah. lost her prominence as the... she should be the spiritual leader of the Majoran people, but really eh, not so much.
2: Exactly. And so yes. I, I think her motivations are complex, but you can boil them down and, and see that, that she's you know she is a villain there's no question in my mind i don't even think that's debatable what they're doing is they give they're giving her they're making her a three-dimensional villain but you know ultimately every time she's put to the test she fails so i think clearly she's a villain
3: you are failing keeping with my theme she has less faith than the mayor in ghostbusters
2: <laughs> well what's his name uh, peck
3: lenny lenny no wait that's the archbishop you know lenny's the mayor Mike's the Archbishop. Shut it down. Shut it all down. You will have saved the lives of millions of registered Bajoran voters. <laughs> if I'm wrong, we move the station. We go away peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it.
2: There's, there's right. certain, there are certain actors with recurring <laughs> roles on this series. You know, we have the ever-so-creepy Marco Lemo. Uh, you know, we have Andy, Andy Robinson. And we have Louise Fletcher. Those three in particular... Every time there's an episode that they're involved in, they just step up the level of acting in the show. And they step up the level of enjoyment just by their very presence on the show. Because they 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 chew up the screen in just the greatest ways. And she's just so much fun to hate. So, you know, that elevates every episode that she's been in in, in my opinion. I don't think I don't think she's given one bad performance on this series.
3: She's an no. excellent bad
2: guy. I, I, you know, I, I always go back to her in one Flew of the cuckoo's nest and think of how, just how easy she was to hate. <laughs> oh. Well, she wasn't. No, no, you're right. She was. I just you're picking on the elderly dude. Emissary, no, what? no, but I'm, I'm complimenting her acting ability because I have no reason to believe that she's anything but a nice person. No. But she's just an incredible actress, as far as that goes. I think she just has this way of just being condescending and coming
1: across like a
2: manipulative. Yeah. Oh, she's she's great.
1: Emissary, what would your mother
2: think? No, 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 no. no, no. I'm trying wait, wait, to think. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, could, could you could you do his uh <laughs> no, no, Yeah, no. there you go. <laughs> I was going to say the staccato delivery with him being Billy Bibbit. <laughs> yeah, which
0: makes her a dis- not being included in the in the documentary all the stranger. Cuz as of 2017 she was still acting.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know I mean, I have no idea what her personality is in real life, and I don't know if she's particularly a fan of the genre, despite what wonderful work she did within it. So she, she may have just looked at this as a job, which she performed yes. magnificently, and moved on. She may have had mm. nothing to add to the documentary because of that. Mm. And I don't, don't think she's ever done any conventions that I know of. No, I, I've never heard of her at a convention. Uh,
3: okay.
1: Well, she... I mean, like we looked up for the... Um, the other episode we did with what, what you leave behind. I mean, she is eighty-five, and you know, maybe she just doesn't want to go around
2: at conventions. I hope. I well, you know, I hope it's because she's retired and is just you know enjoying her life, and not because of any physical ailment. Yeah. So, what else have we got here? Come on. Now, nice to see uh, Sir at Lofton with something to do. Yes. Uh, like I said, I, th- I thought he, he was the obvious choice. I think as soon as Kira was chosen as a vessel. And then they said the power wraith has to choose a vessel now. I, I think it seemed obvious it has to go to Jake just to, to test the Cisco. Mm. But I just thought I thought it was an over the top dramatic moment that I enjoyed when he comes walking in. We know he's evil because his eyes are red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, and Kira's eyes were blue. <laughs> there's some you know there's there's a good moment you know where where Odo basically says what her wishes would be and then at the end when she thanks him for that when clearly you know he would have been happy to flood the chamber with the radiation radiation
3: <laughs> well well I, I liked when he you know uh, she said something you know thank you for having faith or what is believing in her faith and he says something like yeah but I kind of wish they would pick somebody else yeah it was just very sweet.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that was all all well done.
1: Uh,
3: oh, now, they were all kinds
1: of sweet together this episode too. They were doing a little nose budding thing in the opening, you know. After everybody left left the con- con- conference room, and you know, she's like, "Oh, you're so dour, and you're always, you know, the negative Nelly. And he's like, "Well, well, I have to be. I have to, you know, because you don't know how lovey dovey I am."
2: <laughs> Let's make kissy face. I, I thought they turned the conventional trope on its ear a little bit. That they had the prophet, or the the yeah the prophet was going to, or the prophets were going to be successful in defeating the power wraith the way it was going, and they had victory pulled from them. I think the normal, uh, you know, stereotypical storyline would be that the power wraith was winning, and that somebody at the last minute flooded the chamber to. You know, to to keep from, from being defeated. So I think
1: the reason the Paw Wraith was being defeated is because Jake was fighting the Paw Wraith inside. What do you guys think? Because he says that to his dad. He's like, I, I knew with all my being that, you know, the Paw Wraith was evil. So I think that's why the Paw Wraith and was, was willing And he was willing to
2: die. Right. Which and, I, and I, I think that speaks for Jake's development as a character over the six seasons we've had. That you know he he's it's it's almost like Jake is now a man instead of just mm. Cisco's son. Right.
1: Another thing I, I'm curious about this this uh, okay so these tablets w- was there so for twenty five thousand plus years was there two entities trapped in that tablet all this time. They don't really
2: yeah. make that very clear exactly No,
1: how- I mean, because he shatters it and two essences come out, the red and the blue, <laughs> and just kind of flitter off into the station. And then, I mean, that... I'm I just kind of... I don't know if there's any backstory really for that as to why. Oh, and while we're in that... Talk, talk Talking about the tablet, I don't know if you guys noticed, it caught my eye and I had to do some rewinding back and forth um, on my PlayStation because that's what I was wa- watching it on. So when... After Cisco comes out of the flashback, it's it's a minor thing, but it, I thought it was cool that they even bothered to add it. There's a flash behind the tablet in that little alcove. There's a flash of light that lights up around it. It's like so quick you'll miss it. And I only saw it because I was looking directly at the screen when when he gets thrown across the chamber. So I backed it up and they actually light up the alcove behind the the actual tablet just as he's thrown across the room. It's it's just a production
2: thing. It has nothing to do with the story. Well, I, do, you, do I, you see any significance to that though, story wise or mythology wise? Well, I mean, it, it could give. Well, I was going to
1: say it would give proof or credence that the prophets did that, but but duh, three people just saw him yanked, thrown across the room anyway. But well, but what I'm saying is they didn't even have to do that. I, I don't really think it does anything story wise, but they didn't really have to do that. I just thought it was a like nice little. Um, added detail
2: that they put in there.
1: And
2: I've killed the show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you my quote of the show for me. During the Reckoning, the Bajorans will either suffer horribly or eat fruit. (laughs) 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 So, you know, I think occasionally, I want to go back to what Andy brought up about Cisco's willingness to sacrifice his son. And obviously that, you know, speaks to his level of faith. But is it something that, as the character has been portrayed, again, now through six seasons, something he would be willing to do? Because I guess that's where you have your question, right? Yeah. I
3: don't don't think he thinks he's sacrificing his son. I
2: think he
3: believes that the the prophets are going to win this in the end.
2: And I... uh, I think they laid some groundwork for that when the uh, when there was the occupation on the station and he left Jake behind and ba- basically you know he he was saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Um, I do think his faith that Jake was not going to you know the the prophets were going to protect Jake might have might be shown to be kind of misplaced because it does look like. Jake was suffering badly during the battle, and then afterwards he talked about how he was willing to die. And I'm thinking, there's nothing in there. You know, we there was never a line in there where he said, you know, I was willing to, but the prophets were protecting me. You know, there's no that that, we never get there. It it seems like the only reason he lived through it is because of what Kai Wen did. And then she's like, uh, you know, are you going to thank me for saving your son? Um, So, you know, I, I think his his faith is. Correct, but probably he misread what was going to happen, just the same. Completely, completely misread it. But the fact that he, you know, first I think on on a primary level, if he had faith that they were going to protect him, then there's no question he'd allow it to continue. The only question Mm -hmm. is, you know, was was he willing to make that sacrifice if the situation had presented itself? I think he backed himself into a situation where he had to, but I don't know if he ever if he ever even had to consider that because he believed it wasn't going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's okay. So, do we think this this, this
1: episode further or finally cements Cisco's um, acceptance of being the emissary, like this was maybe his last... I mean, later, towards the end of the season, we're going to see another point where he's going to have to make a decision this or that, and we'll see how that turns out. But he's, he's even more... Dedicated to being the emissary now. I mean, and they even bring bring it up like, oh, you know, you used to, you know, jedzia says, well, you used to call them wormhole a- a- aliens, but now, you know, you basically call them the prophets.
3: Yeah, I think he's completely except he's in a hundred percent.
2: He's all in. He's all in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read read something from uh the uh what you call it the T S nine wiki uh, actually the. I'm I'm drawing a blank. From the Memory Alpha page, rather, about Kai Wynn. It says, This episode undoes the recent modifications in the character of Wynn Adami, as seen in the fifth season episodes Rapture and in the cards. While it seemed as if her role as a villain was being rendered more ambiguous in much the same way as the writers had done with Ducat throughout the third and fourth seasons, and her relationship with Sisko was improving, this episode relocates her in a more familiar role of antagonist, a role she has occupied since her introduction in the first season episode, In the Hands of the Prophets. However, have some fa- as some fans have pointed out, her sudden return to an antagonistic stance, as regards Sisko, is somewhat unexplained. There is never any reason given why she suddenly feels so much antipathy towards him again, when there was every indication the last two times we saw her, that she was becoming more accepting of him. Renee Echeverria has acknowledged this discrepancy, however he doesn't try to fill in the blanks. In Rapture she seemed to be coming around to Sisko's side a, a little bit, but here she just cannot stand to see that once again he's going to steal her thunder. This was the biggest dodge we did because we didn't really explain why she had a change of heart again. Indeed, in Mm. relation to Wynn, the events of the Reckoning foreshadow her ultimate betrayal of the Prophets in the final arc of the series. And in any case, Iris Stephen Bear in his Bluebeard was much happier with the antagonistic win than the conciliatory one. The episode gives us a more multi-dimensional Kai win. We had lost sight of what to do with her for a while. We love having her as a villain, but this really made her a tragic figure. It made her a totally screwed-up figure, and now we un- and we now understood her. So they are saying a little bit of what Andy thought and a little bit of what I thought. <laughs> they, you mm. know, they're saying they made her more antagonistic, but that you know this is giving her an explanation so that to make her more tragic than villainous uh like i said in my mind there's no question she is absolutely a villain just based on her behavior and her behavior is i think mostly motivated by jealousy of the cisco
1: hmm. yeah, well, no I, I just read the note below that bernard jensen a German monk who was writing a dissertation about religious symbolism in Star Trek. I'd like to read his dissertation, compared Cisco smashing of the reckoning tablet in this episode to Moses smashing the Ten Commandments in the Book of Exodus. So I, thought a only, lot of,
2: I thought he only smashed eleven through fifteen.
1: Uh, well, you
2: know, <laughs> yeah. And there's another
1: uh, Bible, um, uh, you know, the the whole phrase "eat, drink, and be merry" for tomorrow we die. It's like a mashup of two different. Bible verses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A lot of religious symbolism in this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there is a lot in Deep Space Nine generally, isn't there? Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, Andy, you had you had uh, VHS releases of this episode by you. Yeah. Did you buy those? No. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, nope, I didn't buy any VHS of Deep Space Nine or anything like that because they just took up too much damn room. And remember, at the time, this was her and we just had Michael. Ah. The future son
1: of the prophet, mm. of the okay. English emissary, soon to
0: be king of the north.
2: <laughs> if, king he's, of the north. if he's going to be king of the north, that means they're going to behead you, Andy. So. <laughs>
0: oh uh, no. no! No, no, He's going to hide me. I'm going to, I'm going to hide like Obi Wan, and just come back when they need me. Ah, is uh, when the country needs me most. So and like it's like, that, where the is King Arthur now?
1: So is Anya going to be area? Yes, she already is.
2: Wow, oh, yeah. And, and when she goes down to Florida, she's pretending you're the Night King and uh, Bill.
1: Yay!
2: Wait,
1: what? <laughs> no, nothing. No, why? Why wouldn't Scott be the Night King? Why do I got to be the Night King? I'm a nice guy.
2: You could be one uh, one. Who? He was the the giant. Uh, oh. In, in the the Battle of the Bastards episode. Yeah, but he gets killed. Oh, well, you know. Why do uh, I get
1: to die? <laughs> I don't want to die. But he,
2: but he was beloved.
1: I want to stay. <laughs> Stay. I'm
0: Charlie Bill. From Bill X.
2: Do we want to rate this? Yes. Your
0: episode, Andy. Um, I think I'm going to go for a solid three. It's not a great one for me, although I realize that there is enough good stuff in it to raise the level of the episode itself. And I do think there's a lot of good stuff in it. I just, you know, just it didn't click for me for whatever reason.
2: I'm gonna say it did click for me. It's there's enough there's enough fluff in it that I'm gonna drop it from a perfect episode down to a four. But I think there's enough in there to make it a four for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with um. Let me see. Four broken tablets. Four Bajoran bats. Four bejorn. Five
0: food salads. gold
1: wings. <laughs> I'm gonna go with four. I because. Well, see, I'm torn between a 4 and a 3.5 because I think I have a Dr. Bill view test now to where if I go back and watch it the night before we, we record, if I fall asleep, I think I should deduct <laughs> half a point. And I oh, fell okay. asleep just before the Battle of the Parades. So I was kind of like, oh, come on. Let's get this going. Come on but it's i still enjoyed the episode but i dozed off a little bit so i, I you know what 3.75 broken tablets
2: it's so <laughs> annoying
1: because there's all those little pieces <laughs> down on the floor i know i'm so annoying you are
2: <laughs> david
3: i uh, i'm going to give it a 3 as well it was enjoyable but i to me it was like it was a little distracting in the sense that i found it enjoyable because i kept finding um similarities to other things that amused me from the whole bat cave thing to when they were trying to translate the tablet all i kept thinking was well if you spoke Jovito, you could have warned them properly <laughs> 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 to, to to the uh, telling kai when you know she should shut up and uh, When she was running down the litany of the disasters, you know, there's a a flood, there's a tornado in this region, an earthquake, dogs and cats living together. (laughs) So I I got some enjoyment out of that. I thought the story was all right, but I didn't think it was spectacular. Uh, Hence, I gave it three dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria.
2: All right. So that's our rating, but. What does Blaine say?
3: Blaine
0: say... oh, we've done that one before. Wait, you, you, you're stepping all over me, man. What the? Well, you normally like that, especially when I uh, wear heels. Yeah, I know, but I got one for this. I got. Oh, all this. right, I'll take the gimp mask off. <laughs>
1: Whoa, wait yeah. a minute, what? <laughs> now I'm all kinds of confused. But anyway, <laughs> how is that different from any other show? What choo ah Blah 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 Blaine. What does Blaine
0: say? Get it,
1: Batman, back
0: I, th- yeah. I thought you would. That's what I thought. That's what you were going for. But sorry, Bill. Bit of constructive criticism. Unusually for you, you're a bit off key. Surely it should have been na 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 Blaine says. <inaudible>
1: When the well, look, I got a sore throat today, all right?
2: Blaine all says... Right. I'll, I'll put some <laughs> slack then because of your throat. <laughs> so Blaine says, Hi, guys. This is far enough along that the writers would now be aiming for the season-ending status quo. This feels like it exists to get us there, and it does its job but felt to me from start to finish that it was too focused on getting us there, and not focused enough on making sure it, was, it worked in isolation. Louise Fletcher is always great as Kai Winn, and this time she has a very legitimate complaint that isn't a personal power grab. The use of Jake should have tremendous tension, but Ben Sisko doesn't seem to feel it, trusting the prophets. The reminder about the existence of the Power Wraiths is timely, even if it doesn't have a lot to do with this week. I think we, this may ultimately be why this episode falls flat to me. Ending with two people standing there through an energy tug of war just isn't as visually gripping as the build-up seemed to indicate. I appreciate the Kai's choice to activate the chronoton emissions, and what that means for the character, but something just didn't click for me. Maybe it was the climax, maybe it was director Trevino's decision to use only medium and long shots of Ben Sisko in the climax, reser- reserving close-ups for the possessed Kira and Jake, or maybe it was something else. It just fell flat. Blaine." So, Blaine seems to agree with you guys a little bit more than me on this one, since I was the outlier on a high level on this one. Um, that, you know, he's he's liking the episode, but he's just not seeing it as totally there for him. And that's kind of cool. I got no problem with that. Uh, I enjoyed it. That's all. <laughs> what can I say? So, that's it for this time, because we have no email. What are we doing next time?
0: Next time on an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets. The G- M- back, Alliant. They were Starfleet's finest. This ship is special, Jake. This crew is special.
1: They knew no fear. You
0: really think we can go up against a ship like that?
1: No pain. We're
2: in way over our heads. No regrets. We're Red Squad, and we can do anything! But what these young cadets don't know...
3: I don't think I'm ready for this.
2: ...could kill them.
3: Here they come. This is suicide.
2: On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine...
0: And I don't remember this one at all. Browsing through the pictures on the Wikipedia thing. Looks like a good one, though. Off well, the top of my head, head I,
1: but don't I don't remember think it no, at all. There's no actual Jemadar even in that episode, but that's okay.
2: I don't remember it all, but maybe once I sit down and watch it, I will. I don't hmm. know.
0: It's written by Rob Moore, so that's got a good pedigree.
2: All right, well, see you all next time.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. I'm Bajoran Batman. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast, is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the 2 website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site. And whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The profits. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. How, how does the cowl work on Bajur and Batman? He's got little ridges on the nose. All right. So, but it, would would it not
1: rub his nose? Well, he could like use it as a weapon. He could like, you know, he could cut. He could gnaw his way out of a rope if he's hanging from it with his little cowl. The mask oh, keeps, off, keeps off. getting stuck on the ridges. <laughs> he's got to keep like stopping to, to release it. So, like like Bajoran dogs and cats, they have little ridges on their nose. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah.
3: Do they live together?
2: No comment. Till the time limit's up. <laughs>